Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance access deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. You know what my favorite text is? A waypoint and the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Josh. Yes. What about Jeremiah Johnson? Okay, so so last week I I apparently slowed down just enough for COVID to catch up with me. I have been running hard for three and a half years and have managed to dodge it. And for the very first time ever, I get COVID. Mm. And I'm laying in bed, feeling terrible, and I thought I was I was actually scrolling through one of my movie streaming services. I don't remember which one it was. And lo and behold, what pops up? Jeremiah Johnson. And I thought, I need a little pick-me-up. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I, I, I kick that bad boy on. And, you know, he rolls off the riverboat there. And I'm thinking, this is just going to be awesome. You, gonna, you've never seen it I've never seen it. Okay. The, you know, fighting bear. I'm sure there's going to be bear fights. I'm sure there's going to be shooting game. You know, I'm just really looking forward to it. A kid, having been a kid who grew up on the Wilderness Family. Have you guys right. remember oh, those yeah. movies, oh, yeah. the Wilderness Family? Yeah. 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 I mean, those, those were like the greatest movies mm-hmm. ever when I was a kid. Yeah. I've seen that thing a hundred times. So, and then a few minutes later, Christy comes in and lays down and uh, she she starts watching, watching it and she's like, now, now what's going on? What's going on? So I kind of give her a, a quick rundown and she starts watching it with me. Talk about an emotional roller coaster. Oh, that's a toughie. Spoiler oh alert. God. Is everybody in here seeing it? 
I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Jeremiah, Jeremiah Johnson, Johnson, the movie. Never seen it. No. Oh, my so God. You're, you, I, I you thought it was are, a hay farm. It's considered album. one of the American greats. Okay. You are. It's Robert Redford. Is okay. a frontier. Josh is Mississippi in education. We're always just one step ahead of Mississippi. <laughs> but so Josh has finally seen the movie, and you had. I I was well. What 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 stood out to you? What, what was the most significant thing about the movie? We, we are about to spoil this movie. Yeah, for, the movie was made in 1974. <clears throat> I okay, think right. you've had plenty of time, <laughs> <laughs> or, or whenever it was made. I didn't. Uh, I I thought it was going to be like again, having been raised on the wilderness family. Thought it was going to be a great, you know, there surely there had to be something redeeming in the end. And in the end, the redeeming thing was the hand up by the lone Indian there, and he waves back. But the the death and destruction, man, you just was felt just, like it, it was a lot of death and destruction. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't see the until you know he gets the look on his face when he's in the burial ground. Yeah. Like, oh my God, they're going to kill his wife and he kinda, he boy. Knew, mm. He knew what was coming. And yeah. Well, um, but it was a great movie. Very well done. 1972. I have to be honest and say I did have to turn on the subtitles a couple times just to catch everything that was said. Oh, really? But, really? Yeah. So Will well, Primos, you had, you had Will Primos who was on <laughs> this episode of the Mississippi River Bear Grease, is a big, big Jeremiah Johnson movie buff. He has. In his office, he has some original uh, photography from the set oh, cool. that like nobody else has, and and he is I got a, a big time Jeremiah. This Johnson. is for this is for Robert Redford and that beard. It was, I mean, yeah. It's a good beard. Yeah. That's a, a good, good beard. beard. <laughs> Makes a well, good meme to send to people. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to the bear. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the bear grease it. render, everybody. <laughs> That's the one. If if you are new to the bear grease universe, the bear grease render is where we. Talk about the actual Bear Grease podcast, which is our documentary style podcast. This week, we had a, a very, what I thought was a, what I, I loved the episode. I, I learned so much about the Mississippi River. So we're going to talk about that. But before that, we have we have some very special guests this week on the Bear Grease Render. Dun, 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 to my right, dun, dun, we have Josh Lambridge, Spillmaker. Old nice faithful, to be here. Nice to be fly here. fishing extraordinaire. Yes, mustache. Spent the morning. If, in case fly somebody fishing. hasn't has, has just been on another planet, Josh's Josh's nickname Landbridge came about circa 2008 when one day at a meeting at our church, I looked at Josh and his mustache inspired <laughs> me to read a book on the Bering <laughs> Land Bridge. Shampoo. This is not a joke. <laughs> I mean, for real, I'm literally talking to the guy, and I'm looking at this huge mustache that spanned the right cheek to the left cheek Alaska of, his Russia. of his face. Yeah, it was like Alaska and Russia, and, and I was like... Sarah I know, Palin saw it and was impressed. Even. I, Sarah Palin. I said, I said, I know nothing about the Bering Land Bridge, and I went and bought a book that's up here called Beringia. Yeah. And so, Josh, to Josh's right, our dear friend, longtime friend, Terrell Spence Spencer. Could I change the Spence for Thalwag? Ooh, that's a good name. Yeah. That's a good name. <laughs> Terrell Thalwag Spencer. <laughs> At the bottom. <laughs> the Thalwag means the bottom of the river. Spence is our local pastured poultry man across the creek farms. Good to have you. Spence has been on here several times. He's been a featured guest on the Bear Grease podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, unlike soils. some of us. Unlike some of us, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to skip over the mystery guest and go to 
Brent Reeves, Yo. This Country Life. Good to see you, brother. Good to be here. How you doing? Good, great. Podcast, great, how's This Country Life? Good, man. Rocking and rolling? Keep, it's just, it gets better and better. Keeps it's, getting better and better. Yeah. Brent so is, fun. hey, Brent Reeves is an incredible writer. You might not know it, but the writing, like this, the This Country Life podcast, which is also on this Bear Grease feed, if you're paying attention, you know this. If you're not, you do now, if you're paying attention now, <laughs> but- so Brent has a podcast that comes out every Friday on the Bear Grease feed. It's about 20, 30 minutes long. And this would be something that he would write out. I mean, you don't really sense that when you're listening. It just sounds like a story, but it's actually yeah. written out. And uh, Brent it's can really take something good. that's not... It's fantastic. It's really, really good. You, you wouldn't good. think you were that interested in, like, watermelons. I thought that watermelon podcast was fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you, Josh. Yeah, I, it's actually I, been my favorite one so I, far. I honestly, I it's in the in the running for me. It, it's it's and what it is when you get down to the granular nature of it really is is excellent writing. Yeah, yes. Brent, do you want to tell them how the watermelon podcast came about? Yeah, you and I were coming back from matter of fact, what we're talking about right now, Mississippi I, River. Yeah. Episode. We went down there with uh, talk to Doctor David. You have to say, pronounce his last Biden Harn. Yeah, Biden Harn. And we were on the way back, and we just started talking about, you know, what, what's what's the next podcast going to be about? And we started kicking ideas around. And he said, "You know what you ought to do? Watermelons." And he said, "It is my." He said, I, "He said I don't care what you do, but I want this included in it." And I said, "All right, what's that?" He said, "I, Clay Newcomb, have vowed to myself to eat a watermelon every day of watermelon season." <laughs> it is true. It's true. It's now, just to clarify, it's not a whole watermelon. Some watermelon. Just, it's some watermelon. Well, no, really, we were deep in the heart of watermelon country. I bought a watermelon this week at in Arkansas that was grown in Mississippi. What? Yeah, it had grown in Mississippi on it. We were deep in the in the heartland of watermelon country, and I just, I just said, Brant, I really want to hear you talk about watermelons. Yeah, it was and so fantastic. that's what he did. So you, it was great. You it, might have heard of the the whole thirty. Yeah. And you know where like you do this horrible restrictive diet for thirty days <laughs> really that so ruins it. your family's life, <laughs> yeah. and in the hopes of like like cleansing your body from whatever. Anyway, demons. Well, yeah. <laughs> it might bring some out, but Whoa. Clay does a he does a watermelon thirty. Yeah. Watermelon sixty from it's July first really to August thirtieth. And and when he's doing the watermelon thirty, you don't look like this on accident. The, the kids and I have committed to doing an ice cream been in thirty, one. where we eat ice, ice cream, cream all thirty days of d- during this. There's a parallel watermelon to watermelon cream. thirty is ice cream thirty. When, so to Brent's, we're still on intros here. Oh, wow. I've got to yeah. speed it up here. We're eight Man. minutes deep. To Brent's right, my lovely wife, Misty Newcomb. Great to have you, Doctor Newcomb. Thank you. So good to be here. Yes. Thank you for that formal introduction. Yes. Yes. But our mystery guest is Ryan Flintface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew oh, that was man. coming. <laughs> hey, if you've been paying attention to to Bear Hunting Magazine stuff that I, I've done in the last decade, Ryan Greb is one of my dear friends from f- for a long time. We've been buddies, and uh, Ryan is man to describe. Okay, first of all, Flintface. The first time I saw a picture of Ryan, it was on the Arkansas Game and Fish website, and they just randomly selected his photo of a bear he'd killed to be on the page. Do you remember that? I do. And, and I found it on accident. I was like, no, I don't want to be the face of the yeah, bear page. So, yeah, he was the no. face of the Game and Fish bear page, and it was this beautiful photo of this huge bear, and he just had a 
a face like Flint. I mean, like, wouldn't crack a smile. And for every picture, I've got him to smile since then, but he, he Ryan doesn't do much smiling in the photos. But, Ryan, I told Bear this the other day. There's not many people in this state that are better outdoorsmen than Ryan Grab. Uh, that's, that's quite a... I that's mean, big. just like, you want to talk deer hunting, you want to talk bear hunting, you want to talk catfishing, you want to talk... Uh, turkey hunting. hunting. You want to talk food plots. You want to talk anything. This guy is boy. I got y'all fooled. Subject matter. <laughs> <laughs> I've got y'all fooled. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. I got to keep going with Ryan though. I still stand by this. And somebody, if somebody proves me wrong, that's great. I, I like to throw out big stats, and then if somebody can prove me wrong, then that's great. I think Ryan Greb has killed more bear per weight than anybody in that's alive in Arkansas today. What does, mean? What does <laughs> that mean? Weight like his weight? Like, yeah, like comparing his weight? His weight like his. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, nope. Like, Ryan has killed... More bear pounds. Pounds per... Pounds per... Pounds of bear. He's killed more pounds, pounds of bear, Pounds of bear per person. Yeah. Pounds of bear per person. We're looking for the ratio. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have killed big bears, and and certainly some incredible bear hunters that have killed like you know they've killed like two five hundred pound bears, and then and then you know some three hundreds and this and this and this. Ryan has killed. I mean, I we don't have to get into the details, but lots of for twenty five years he's killed big Big ones. Okay, I've laid off of them. Last three, four, five years, so I'm sure yeah. somebody's give them a catching fight chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you were you were hunting bears in the glory years of the Arkansas Bear Days, though. Yeah. When you're baiting bears, it gets harder and harder. I mean, I, I'm pretty solidified on that statement. I'm not saying it's you can't kill a big bear in Arkansas anymore. People do every year, right? But the first ten, twelve years when we could bait bears, it was you it was were a learning curve. Oh, for them. Yeah. now every bear. Every bear that's alive has their whole life been been it, under some baiting sequence. It was easy the first five, six, seven years, you know. Yeah. But now you've got generations of bears that is yeah. born and raised into the baiting game. and Yeah. It's a different so, bear now. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. just more people out in the world. Smarter than your average like. bears. <laughs> yeah. So. Hey, I want you to tell us the story of uh, when that – Cub, you told this to River and Bear the other day. I yeah. don't want to spoil the story. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I'd actually had forgotten about that. Um, sitting in the tree, middle of the day. I was sitting all day. You're bear hunting. Bear hunting, yes. And uh, it was hot. You know, gnats biting you, 90 degrees. And I just looked down the hill and I see bear coming. Here comes another one. I was like, oh, it's a sow. Well, it ends up being triplets, you know. Sow cubs. with three cubs. Three cubs. They come up there and feed around, you know, do their moaning and squalling. And I think I'd kind of forgotten about this till they brought it up the other day. I think the sow winded me, went to pop in her jaws, and one cub took off running and ran right to my tree, <laughs> scurried right up past me, <laughs> and got even with me. And I scared it, and it <laughs> ran out on the end of this limb. And he just it got way out there to where he couldn't hold no more. And he was trying and trying and trying. He fell off, hit so hard he bounced like a basketball. Oh my. Knocked him silly. And he took off running towards his mom and siblings and ran 
head on into an oak tree <laughs> and knocked it silly again and laid there like it just I was like he just killed himself wow. but he gathered his thoughts and yeah. off he went <laughs> survival of the How, fittest thing. you and you were probably 20 plus I was probably 22 23 feet up so the cub <laughs> runs up the tree sees you like yes. you could have like poked it in the yeah. eyeballs yeah and it runs out on the limb mm-hmm. falls out of the tree Bounces Correct. like a basketball from a 22, 23 foot fall. Yes, sir. And r- sprints towards his mom and T bones an oak tree. Like he never seen the tree. I, I guess he just <laughs> as was, I should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he hit it hard. Wow. And like I say, just knocked him for a loop. He had to gather his thoughts and off he went. And I was like, well, that was my fun for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like watching cartoons. Right. Yeah. Uh, what's the biggest bear you've killed in Arkansas? Well, in, anywhere, but I think the answer uh, will be in Arkansas. Five, five was it 508 or five something? 508. That's a big bear. Yeah. I shot one the next year. The, the 508, I didn't think was all that big when I shot it. The next year, I'm talking a true monster come in, and I was like, if this bear ain't 600 pounds, you know, and I had it 10, 12 yards, thought I made a perfect shot and never found the bear. Huh. And I would love to go back in time to that day to do all over do that again. again. Yeah. Yeah. Probably shot it too low. I think I hit it too far forward is what I think. Yeah. Too far forward? Too far forward, yeah. Hmm. How big do bears get in Arkansas, Oklahoma? Like what would be the record? I mean, there. Unfortunately, there's no weight record keeping systems because it's too too arbitrary okay. in terms of having certified scales and gutted weight versus right. live weight. So that that's not the way people measure them. But I have heard of a 650 pound bear that I think was legitimate. Have so you heard of any bigger Arkansas, than that, Arkansas? Arkansas bear. No, I haven't. So this was up there. That it was. Yeah, that would be pushing it, it, a big. Brand. It had a, you know, it had the frame monsters, pigeon-toed, big blockhead, but its belly was pretty much dragging the ground. Wow! He literally, there was a fence, a force fence, and the bottom strands was broke. And I can't remember. There's one strand or two strands above it. He got down on his elbows. And pulled himself under, not with his front feet, with his elbows when he come onto the property. Mm-hmm. That's three and a half, four feet. <laughs> yeah, but it it was a monster, a true yeah. monster. Yeah, they they can for sure weigh over six hundred here. You know, it, but it's it's uncommon. That would be an abnormal, though. It would be abnormal. Yeah, for sure. But they make them that big, man. They make them that big. They do. Um, what uh, do you have any? What's your most memorable bear hunt, Ryan? Probably the booner I killed up here in Zone One on a buddy's place by the had the old rock fireplace. Mm-hmm. Oh stuff. man, that's some beautiful yeah. pictures. Yeah, that was uh, never cool even place. got in the tree. Just as I was sneaking into the bait, I seen him making his way up to the bait, and I lost sight of him, and I was like. Well, to back out of here. You, you went in there at like one o'clock. Yeah, because I kept getting pictures of this bear. He never would come at night. He always showed up in the day, like every hour of the day, except I noticed from one o'clock to two o'clock, I wouldn't get no pictures of him. I was like, that's when I need to ease in. 
Well, as I'm easing in there, I'm 40 yards from the bait site, the, the, my stand, and I seem come up out of the woods to the bait. But there's so much foliage I couldn't, you know, lost sight of him. So I thought, should I back out, go to the top of the hill, give him half hour, ease back down here, see if he's left. But I'm like, I'm practically in bow range as it is. The wind is right. I want to see if I can ease up and get a shot at him. So I took my boots off, just sock feet, eased up there, eased up there, got within about 12 yards, and I couldn't see him, but I could hear him. I could hear him smacking. Golly, I bet you was geared up. There was a goldenrod, you know, the yellow flowers, and uh, he was behind that. That was blocking my view, and I spotted him at 12 yards, but he's laying down. So I eased up there a little closer, and there's one window between these goldenrods. I thought, if he will turn, I can slip an arrow through that little four-inch window. And the bear never got up. He pulled himself around, and while he's laying on the ground and reached in the hole in the barrel to grab more bait out, and when he did, I put one right, right behind his armpit pulling his and arm that up. was uh that bear weighed three no it was four four twenty four twenty something yeah and he had a but he had a over 20 inch skull 20 you scored at 20 and five five sixteenths or yeah. something which is over the boone and crockett minimum right yeah, that's a hoss yeah and what's wild about all these bears you can kill a 500 pound bear that doesn't make boone and crockett yeah. Yeah, really. The big, biggest bear that I ever killed, Boone and Crockett score, weighed three fifty-five or something. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, and then the biggest weight bear that I've ever killed, for weighed five fifty. Oh no, that did was not Batman. Make Boone and Crockett. Batman? Batman. Batman. Didn't make Boone and Crockett. He did not make Boone and Crockett. Huh. So is That's it wild. just the frame or like? Well, the, it, the they're measuring the skull. So for okay. a bear, you measure the length and width of the skull. So part of it is genetic, just like I might have a bigger head than you, right? Even though you're taller no, than me. Let's not if you do have a bigger. I head have than a big me. head. I got a watermelon <laughs> for a noggin. Yeah, too. Spence, right. Spence ain't Spencer's exactly. Spencer's a big-headed people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like that. And, and then, A, I still really haven't decided. I have never talked to anybody that gave me a, conv- a biologist, anybody in the country, that has given me a legitimately scientific answer of whether a bear adds mass to his skull with age. Hmm. You, do you understand? Because people yeah. have that idea. Oh, that's a 20-year-old bear. He's going to be Boone and Crockett. Not necessarily. Because yeah. if he was a smaller skulled bear or an average skulled bear... But but there's an idea that their skulls get bigger or widen or thicken with time, and I've yet to find a biologist, and including some really top-level guys, that have been able to tell me whether a bear really, his skull gets bigger. But, um, hey, one, one maybe not the last, maybe just the start, another story with Ryan. The kids told me, y'all talked about this the other day, Ryan took our kids noodling this week while I was in Montana. That's pretty awesome. Ryan was taking my kids fishing. Yeah, I'll just say, I think it's the coolest thing because our kids, they've they've gone with Ryan and Clay since they were little. I'm trying to think about the first time River went. She was was probably 12. A little dainty thing at that time. She told me she was 12 years old. Was she 12? Okay. And I'd I'd actually never heard of Noodlin before. And, And I would tell people, yeah, River's going Noodlin. And 
they would all look at me and be like, Rivers going Newland this afternoon? And I said, yeah. And so people kept, you know, I learned a lot by watching people's faces and how they respond to stuff. So I came home and they were getting in the car. I try not to let on if anything's abnormal. Yeah. Right? I'm like, we're going rattlesnake hunting. We'll see you later. I just kind of trust okay. Clay. So they, they're getting in the car. I come home from work and they're getting in the car. And I said, hey, they're literally pulling out backwards. I said, hey, this is safe, isn't it? Because people just kept going, Rivers going Newland. And Ryan was like, are you concerned? Yeah. No, Ryan was there. Clay looked at me, and this is, I promise, this, he's, he hits the car in reverse. They're starting to pull off, and he goes, ah, hey, we'll see you. And then he just pull out. And I was like, well, I guess, I mean, surely he wouldn't put our daughter in danger. But he had, I mean, our daughter's been in the ER off the back of Clay's mules. Yeah. I mean, a lot. So I don't know if I should be that trusting. Ship that ship has sailed now. But at that time, when she was 12, I trusted him. Hey, the most dangerous thing about uh, noodling in the in the warm weather is probably flesh eating amoebas in the water. Oh, don't I think about that from time to time. Like, <laughs> don't you that know, to one me. of these days, you know, come back. One of these the is going to crawl up my nose. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's. I remember one year we went and somebody had like maybe died. Yeah, well, they, they usually do. Yeah, yeah, from just being in that nasty water. It wasn't in this water system we were in. But it was like kind of in the realm of where we're at. I hate this story. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, what are in you going to do? Though? Are you going to say yeah. yeah and pull back in reverse? Yeah. No need just to share I, that thought. Misty never entered my mind. Amoeba. So, so this Ryan, is a current, Ryan and them, Ryan and, and his buddies have. Uh, they're big time noodlers. And now our kids just kind of bypass Clay and call Ryan. Go straight and to the horses. <laughs> yeah. Don't even care if well, Clay's in town. Clay called me and said, hey, you got to get my kids out of the house. River's watching the Kardashians. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bears playing Fortnite. you got to get them involved in something. Uh, no, <laughs> like, I got you, Clay. I got you, Clay. Uh, <laughs> oh, they had, a, they had a great time, though. No, we've had a, a lot of fun over the years. And, you know, y'all rarely keep a fish no i mean like hardly ever I catch so many fish and rarely keep a fish when the newcombs go noodling we keep, keep a fish. them all yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. like we, when spencers go fishing we have we don't keep them all but yeah. we usually keep one big flathead a year yeah that will have a big fish fry well multiple fish fries right and uh so anyway we like some flathead when i talked to clay yesterday i was like i'm sure there's no flathead left and you're probably just gnawing on the head or the spine or something like that by now taking turns on the tail yeah <laughs> so what the story that i want ryan to tell us to tell came because the kids reminded me of it but when we were in canada and the the first trip that i ever did for bear hunting magazine which kind of marked like an era of my life <clears throat> when I started traveling and hunting. And for about a decade, I prioritized bear hunting over all other types of hunting and was traveling all over hunting. Just, it was an incredible time. That first year I had Bear Hunting Magazine, I got the opportunity to go to Ontario, Canada in the fall. And we put it together pretty quick and Ryan was ready to go. I called Ryan and he was like, let's go. And whose bear was it that you almost... Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't want to give away the spoiler. We were loading a bear on the four-wheeler. Was that it would my be bear? Yours. Yeah. Okay. Well, we go with this outfitter, and we weren't incredibly impressed at first just by the looks of where we were at. It was kind of a do-it-yourself deal. They gave you a camper and some bear bait and had some places set up. 
and just were kind of like, you're on your own, which we knew that. So we were happy, very happy about that. But we hunted for two or three days and just hadn't seen much. And finally on the third day, they didn't have cameras out or anything. And on the third day, I kill a giant bear. I mean, just a giant, one of the biggest bears I've ever killed. It was a whopper. We, we weren't able to weigh it, but we were shocked. And I killed it with my trad bow. And uh, Ryan and I were kind of thinking we were going to go home skunked. And so easily 400 plus. It, well, we, we did weigh it. Did it we weigh four, it? Oh, we did. 432 or something You're like right. that. We did weigh it. Four, yeah. yeah, 430 yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. So 432 on the hoof. I remember. I had the 10%. I'm real cautious about weights. I was thinking we didn't weigh it. On the hoof? Yeah, guts yeah. and all. It had the biggest front pads of any bear. Yeah. I've ever seen. I mean, it was huge. Yeah, wow. and it did big. not score Boone and Crockett. It 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 green scored before drying twenty and one sixteenth, and dried under twenty. Oh wow! But it and was a great bear. Nine it, years old. Is twenty the cut twenty off? is the Boone and Crockett minimum? Twenty one is the all time. Okay, it's, it's a complicated story. But we're loading this bear up on a four wheeler, four hundred. We'd gutted it by now, so it weighed less than that. We're putting it on the rack of a four wheeler. And what happened? Y'all were on the ground, going to lift. I got up on top of the four-wheeler, which this four-wheeler had like a bed on the back of it. A rack. Yeah. And I was going to pull as they were going to lift. Well, this bear weighing 400-something pounds, you think, well, it's going to be a struggle. Well, when it was one, two, three, I pulled, they lifted. Well, they come up way too fast. I had one foot in the bed of that four-wheeler, and they put that bear up on my leg and pushed me off the four-wheeler. Well, everything went off the four-wheeler except my left foot. So his, foot. his oh. left foot is on the rack, up against the rack. The bear Yowch. comes over the top and pins his foot on the rack, and Ryan falls, falls off. off the four-wheeler. Oh. But Was that a desirable place stayed. to be? No, man. <laughs> it had a like a bed, like a like wall. a six inch. Yeah, did it break your leg? I thought it did. Man, hey, when I saw it happen, I still cringe when I think about it oh, because I, I thought our trip to Canada is about to get yeah. really weird because we're going to be <laughs> going to <the> Canadian <laughs> hospital and Ryan's broke. I mean, I don't, I didn't know how it'd be physically possible for because his foot never moved and his right. body is on the ground. Like, I still to this day don't, don't know how it story. didn't break your leg. I still leg. don't have – I've got an <laughs> ankle bone here. <laughs> this one don't on. show anymore. Hold on. Let's see. Let's see. You let's get two ankles. Oh, you can see right there. There's an ankle bone here. No, not one there. It's oh like it shifted goodness. over. <laughs> Does it feel funny? No. Can you see in the dark? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was bad. I, I, I just knew it was going to be bad, story. and he just kind of – Bounces up and just kind of like limps around for a minute, and he's like, "All right, we're good." Man, now you know why he don't smile. His the next, hurts. The <laughs> next morning, <laughs> morning it was sore. <laughs> That's when I was like, "Yeah." It was sore the next day. I was day? like at the threshold of something was fixed to shatter. Man, mm. yeah. Whitetail Institute launched the Food Plot Revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. 
I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. People at Sport Dog know that having a well-trained hunting dog is more than just having a reliable partner. It's a commitment to their safety and unlocking their full potential. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Trust Sport Dog, where innovation meets passion, to elevate your hunting experience and strengthen the bond with your local companion. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me to track my squirrel dogs and my one old coon dog that's not very good. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. All right. Well, um, Mississippi River Podcast. You guys don't know it, but uh, there's a quiz. I knew it. Ah, we're gonna. So I'm not doing well. At the, at we the, just on the we just started a three part series, Mississippi River. It, it, it's going to be a significant series. Let me let me start off by saying this is one of the hardest series that I've ever done because everybody. Well, first of all, if you're going to tell a story about the Mississippi River, like what are you talking about? Yeah. Like like it's not like David Crockett. Or yeah. or something really specific. There's there's always, you know, with that there's this definitive data that you have. The Mississippi River is just a big story, and I just knew there was kind of a hole in my understanding 
of this country by not knowing a lot about the Mississippi River. So I started going to experts. And I knew there were certain categories of interest that I had, which I wanted to know about the natural system of the river, just as it stands as a natural feature, like the Rocky Mountains, the Mississippi River, the Pacific Ocean, you know. So I wanted to understand the dynamics of the river, number one. Number two, I wanted to understand the culture, how that river has influenced culture, particularly on the lower Mississippi. That's that's where most of my interest lay, and so I knew knew I needed to talk to people. I also wanted to learn about the fishery of the Mississippi River. Like I'm interested in the wildlife and the fisheries, um, and so I started going to all these different people, and everybody was so knowledgeable about their one little section that it was sometimes hard to get a picture as big as I needed to get. And John Barry, oh man, now he he was the man. There's probably not been a guest on Bear Grease that would be as. Uh, I mean he he's a he's a big time writer that that has nothing to do with hunting per se, and so uh, Misty went with me to we went to Washington D.C. to interview John Barry um, for an hour, and that book Steve Rinella is the one who told me. When I said, "Hey, I'm going to interview John Barry, author of Rising Tide," John, Renella was like, "Hey, when you look at like top ten lists of American nonfiction, he said Rising Tide's always there. He's like, wow. that's like a incredible book of uh, so having John Barry on was really interesting. Yeah. He's a really interesting guy too. Yeah. So I say all that to say I kept now." Excluding John Barry, who had this kind of very general, like big knowledge, like uh, I just kept going to different people, different people, different people. And I think I interviewed seven different people, like full interviews, like hour and a half plus interviews, and then and building building the series. So it's been a lot of fun, and it's 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 pretty tough. But I want to, you know what, my labor. Uh, I want to see if it was in vain or not. Oh. I want to know if you guys are even paying attention, because I'm not sure if you were or not. This will be the the third quiz that we've done. Uh, uh, Josh uh, cheats. Hold on. No, you hold on, Jack. Wait. <laughs> I don't cheat. Yeah, you do. You're the cheater. You can't count. The um, On the podcast, on the last render, you were like, okay, we're going to do a quiz. We and did, then we never did it. I know. Well, we Sorry, actually guys. did a quiz for Clay on... <laughs> Choleria. We're just Cholery, trying to, just yes. trying to identify what that, uh, what Choleria was. Yeah, we were going to do a quiz. We were going to do a quiz, and but the conversation was just so rich. I Riveting. felt like the quiz would have gotten away. So there's two quizzes. How are we two getting? quizzes. We're doing okay. a Crockett quiz. <laughs> um, so the, the way this works is the first person that blurts out the right answer gets gets the point. All right. I hate that I system. think there's seven. What, well, what how do you want to do, do it? Do you want to submit the answer by email? Yes. Text. <laughs> I think you should raise your hand. Hand is. What if everybody had a buzzer or a squeaky well, yeah, toy? Yeah. Oh, I think we need a like Family Feud style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could get shakers. Good. Shakers, but then everybody would shake just nonstop. <laughs> okay. I think this is what we're gonna have to do. Um, we can make our own beeping. Josh, what's your sound? 
It's, okay, it's not first question. Be heard on Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I believe, uh, one, two, three, four, five, Man. six, seven, eight questions. The one at the end of this with the most points wins. Okay, I feel very underprepared. The first one is going to be some low hanging fruit. You're supposed uh, to listen. What to it, is Josh. the foul wag of a river? The bottom. Oh, deepest point of the channel. Terrell Spencer, deepest point of the channel. You got to blurt it out. When I take I people bottom. fishing on my river. I tell them about foul wag. <laughs> so, really? Oh yeah, yeah. This so is you like, knew this before. Yeah, I wanted to wow, like, that's, be friends with. I think that you guy. should get an extra point mm. just for just the two of us. The foul wag. The foul wag. Yeah. Brent and I are getting no more Spence. Brent and I are getting Spence is dead. Foul wag lives. He has a. He definitely has a, com- a competitive advantage today. Yes, because Malachi Nichols wouldn't be a boat partner with me me and brent are getting a boat you traded up buddy <laughs> yeah um and we were going to name it the foul wag so that no, gets awkward that, now. that was never that was never an option well but then i was like you don't want to name your boat the bottom of the river so i'm gonna go ahead and say this this is going to be big news in the future most likely the name of our boat is going to be the laurentide the laurentide Come on. You took a lot of shots at the Laurentide. The, I mean, how, you didn't like that? How cool the name is that? I wasn't the offended, Laurentide. The Laurentide ice sheet. Yeah. Two mile thick ice sheet See, that carved out like of the river. At, you were basin. taking a lot of shots and now you're praising it. And I well, no, no, no. I you, didn't ever say anything negative yeah, about yeah. the Laurentide ice sheet. Uh, you were, I just said you were it seems kind of arrogant to me that we would name it like it was a pet. I just. I feel like you didn't really appreciate all the topsoil we have. In your face. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm a big time lawn okay. okay. ice sheet you fan. Had, if you had a garden up in that holler, you would appreciate allu- alluvial Spence soil. Spence lives for, up the holler from me, and, for, and, and he claims the, I stole all his soil. <laughs> and for well, the gravity, record, don't both of it. you guys have the same degree? Uh, environmental soil yeah, science? So. Environmental soil, soil and water, water science. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty close. I went I mean, to grad yeah, school for stream ecology. So. What we ought to do, right? Stream ecology. I forgot about that. Put them in a that, jar yeah. and shake them up and see if they'll fight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like two beta fish. No, no. I, 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 55-gallon If drum. it came across as negative about the Laurentide ice sheet, okay. it wasn't. I, I just was m- yeah. making note of no human. Like, it, it actually has no correlation to, like, thinking. It is crazy. It was just, a, it was just it's, like. It's amazing. No what human that we've had correspondence with actually saw it, but we know it was here because of the cryptic diary of the Earth. You know, it's interesting the stuff. Cryptic diary of the Earth. One for Terrell. Foul eggs. Foul eggs, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> this might this might stick. What is the name for a concrete map placed on the oh. riverbank to stop erosion? R- revetment. Who said that? I did. Brent Reeves. What was it? Revetment. Revetment. Ah. Brent Reeves, one, Thalwag, one. I mean, you got Josh. Ryan Grab zero, Josh zero, Misty zero. If it comes to fly fishing, he'll get it. I had COVID. <laughs> oh, that, so it made your brain a little yes, foggy yes. while you were listening to this? Yeah, COVID fog. River Park. Hey, Josh has a real boat. He has a brand a new boat. What's, What's the name You got to name your boat. SS Landbridge. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. Excellent. I got a What's honey. the name of your boat, Ryan? Gertrude. Man, Ryan's so, Ryan's so dead serious. He's like, name your boat? Are you Miss, guys kindergartners? Uh, misdemeanor. Misdemeanor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Fell it'll on. fit on the road. <laughs> oh, Hey, my I got a goodness. honey of a canoe that you didn't mention. It's a locally made canoe. Oh, yeah. Does it have a name? It turns on a dime. 
two brothers canoe is it's that's okay. what's on the side of made it. Made locally, it's you local, think? Make it Arkansas? up in Rogers, yeah. Really? Two brothers They're canoe. They're sweet canoes. Okay. Okay. Um question number three. For the last how many miles does the river's bed lie below sea level? Hundred and twenty. <laughs> it's fifteen okay, foot that below question, at Vicksburg. That question probably could have been worded a little with a little more clarity. Um Come on, Trebek. How many miles up the river is the river below sea level? This 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 was stated twice on the podcast. How many miles up the river? I mean, okay. Is the river 50 what, if, miles. what if we can tell you can how I deep guess? it is at Vicksburg? Fifty miles. Yeah, you can guess. New Orleans. Well, the answer lies in how far Vicksburg is from the coast. Was it four hundred and something? Come on, come on. 420, 450. 450. Run! Foot face scrub. Are you kidding me? I wasn't congratulating you. What are you talking about? I had to help you out. Yeah, so for the last 450 miles of the Mississippi River, the the bottom of the river is below sea level. Like, not a little. In like 240 foot? Is that what they said? Well, okay, no. no, There was a 240 feet, but that... It's it's fifteen feet below sea level of Vicksburg and like one seventy at the okay. mouth of the river. Did you guys understand why I needed clarity? Like That's I felt like John Barry kind of dismissed me when he was like, "Yeah, it's always been like that. yeah." <laughs> uh, but I I was I thought perhaps it was because you know, B- Doctor Biedenhorn he told me he he's like when man puts his foot in the river. A river system is so dynamic. Any any water flowing water system is incredibly dynamic. And if you put your foot in the river at, in St. Louis, anywhere, it affects. You know, this is this is hype. Uh, right. Hyperbole. Hy- hyperbolic. Yeah. There you uh, go. Exaggeration to make a point. Put your foot in the river in St. Louis. It affects New Orleans. Yeah. And so I thought maybe the river being that far below sea level was something that we had done because. What we probably won't get into because it's just too boring, but it's also yeah. too exciting not to talk about is all the ways that they. I mean, the, you could write books on the the Mississippi River Commission and levees, jetties, and outlets. So there was this huge controversy in the country for fifty years about how to tame the Mississippi River, and there was a levees only crew. There were these guys that were like levees only. That's the way to do it. And then there were other people that wanted levees and outlets. And uh, basically, the levees only thing failed because of the 1927 flood. And it like was the biggest natural disaster in American it's history. Johnny Cash wrote a song about it. Did he really? How high is the water, Papa? And that's yeah, about the 1927 flood? Oh, dude, that's yeah. big. I didn't know that. Big River and that song are my two favorite Johnny Cash. My grandpa. Okay. And I'm not even a potomologist. <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather went to southeast Arkansas when he was he was born in 1913. That happened in 27. So he was 14, and he went down there to help recover folks and really? the flood victims. How yeah. far really? over really? did it get? How well, far west did it they go? They went to Lake Village, which is right there on, right. The, oh, yeah. right. on the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said it was it was horrible. horrible. Wow. Well, we we are going to talk more about the 1927 flood and different ways they did things, but um, but the uh, on a different podcast, yeah, okay. like actually on some of the later ones. So we'll we'll save that. So 450 miles up 
it's Good job, uh, Ryan. it's below Good sea job, level. Money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. What is the term for a river whose banks are mobile and shift, meandering and weaving through its floodplain? Like, alluvial. Bam. Thalag. Oh, two. Wow. An alluvial river. <laughs> yeah, it, it, an alluvial river. Its banks are mobile and shift. It meanders and weaves through its floodplain. Josh, did you even listen to this? I did. It's I Josh is looking a little glassy eyed. Yeah, no. Josh the is, answers can over can land we, bridge. You go. Josh's daughter got married yeah. this yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah, my daughter got married this weekend. We had a fantastic time, but man, marrying off a kid is a lot of work. We were tired <laughs> and we didn't even do anything. <laughs> we just but, celebrated. Yes. All right. For Josh's oldest daughter getting married. We're giving him one bonus point. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, you're a cheater. Okay. Uh, question number four. The current score is two for Thalwag Spencer, one for Ryan Flint Frey Scrab, and one for Brent This Country Life Reeves. And zero for Josh. <laughs> zero for Misty. Misty. Okay. The Mississippi new, yeah. and the Amazon rivers are the only two major oh. rivers to not have this. Damn. A damn. Well, it needs a little more clarity. Where, to, where, where, where? At the, at the mouth. At Bam. The mouth. Josh Landbridge, Frillmaker wins. Two points. 2,400. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what Dr. Kilgore with two L's said was that the Mississippi and the Amazon were the only of the big rivers of the world that don't have a dam at their mouth, which is a pretty big deal. And you know what? I didn't want to say this on the podcast because it kind of – Kind of ruins the buzz about the Mississippi River. <laughs> but those guys talked about the Amazon. The Amazon is the beast of yeah. planet Earth. Yes. Like the Mississippi River is like pretty small in comparison to the Amazon. Like it's not like the the the, the flow on a big flood day from the Mississippi River, I want to say, is around 4.5 cubic 4.5 million cubic feet per Second. day that comes out of the mouth of the Mississippi uh, River, which means imagine yeah. a one foot by one foot by one foot cube of water. You understand that, Ms. Newcomb? <laughs> Doctor. Yes, you condescend. Can you visualize that? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just know sometimes, sometimes. Uh, oh, careful. Just, yep. just stop talking. Yep. <laughs> okay, imagine that. Imagine that. And uh, imagine 450 million of those little boxes <laughs> flowing past Are you. Are we talking too fast? <laughs> oh, gosh. No, Steve Rinella gave a great example about, he said it would be like seeing 400, 4.5 million soccer balls go past you. The soccer ball is about one cubic foot. I okay. thought that was a good Well, didn't example. they say that? Would supply Texas, Texas yeah. for a couple a year? of days, like okay. two, like two days. Wow! But the the Amazon has twenty million cubic feet per Five day times. at high water. Wow! And and but what's interesting about the Amazon is that all the other big rivers of the world, like the Nile, Mississippi, the Congo, the Yangtze, the Ganges, Yangtze, whatever. Yangtze. Yeah. What's it called? Yangtze. Yangtze. Um, We're representing our major here. Yeah, well. Dale Bumpers, man. Dale Bumpers. (laughs) (laughs) Environmental science. Most of those rivers run north and south for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Amazon runs east and west, or it runs from the west to the east, but but, and it runs across the widest part of the South American continent. And so it is just has this huge drainage basin. And it's very little is developed around the Amazon. So there's very few 
maybe no. I, I don't want to say how many dams, but it's relatively an undammed river. Christy Spielmaker's been to the Amazon. Has she really? Mm-hmm. I would like to go to the Amazon. That's pretty oh, nice position. Heck yes. Who here would like to go to the Amazon? I do. And Can you with fly a fly fish in there? Ryan's yeah, in. Peacock. Yeah. Yeah. Catch like a 200-pound fish. Yeah. yeah. Nice Man, hey, my friend Keith Sutton down in central Arkansas, who is a – in Arkansas, he's kind of a legendary hunting, fishing writer. He, for a time, was going down to the Amazon quite a bit, and he caught an undiscovered – stingray freshwater stingray wow. that no one had ever documented really he, he was crazy. down there fishing one year and caught this stingray and he pulled it up or he or he saw it. it maybe he pulled it up to the boat and it got off but he had a real good look at it and he goes back to america and starts researching and there's he's nothing serious. yeah and he's like i know what i saw the next year he goes back it's it's a version of this story that's similar to this, okay? This may not be worth <laughs> right, so, so you may right. be misrepresenting him. I mean, a little bit, but it's possible. I just want to say close. that because mm-hmm. I've recorded him tell this story before, so you could go back and actually hear it from him on the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast with Keith Sutton. But the next year, he goes back down there to the exact spot he lost that fish, and within like 10 minutes, catches another one. I'm serious. He did. He, he went That's and caught crazy. it, and it was a two hundred pound freshwater oh, stingray that God. had never been documented by science. They name it after him. They, I don't think they named it after him, but he he was able to get in touch with a fish guy that they believe that somebody in the eighteen hundreds had documented it one time, but that's all they wow. had seen. So it was never. That's crazy. But it's just like that kind of stuff can still happen on the Amazon River. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was. It was. I thought it was crazy. So, Josh, your score is two. He don't have two. One in like a, a hey, mercy point. At least, at least Jeez. my extra points were awarded by someone else and not myself, like Brent. <laughs> this time, yeah, Brent. I feel like this well, is the kind of thing one. I talk to my kids about. <laughs> no, I got two. Okay, <laughs> question number uh, number five. How long did it take the Europeans to revisit the Mississippi River after DeSoto discovered 120. it? 120 years. Yes. Nice did work, Did y'all Brent. like hearing what Mark Twain thought about that? Yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And um, I was reading. Fat. It's wild to think that DeSoto saw it and it was 120 years. But isn't that like, that's the thing with rivers. We take them for granted. Yeah. You, you know, you just see a river and you think, nah, it's just a river. You see a yeah. mountain and everybody wants to name it and climb it. Yeah. But yeah, it's true. I don't know. Well, but Pro when river. Mark Twain put it into context, as he, as he said that entire time there were there were people yeah. on the East Coast, you know, there were there were Europeans that were about around and about on the East Coast. And then they still didn't even know where that river went. Okay. There was some good stuff in that book. Yeah. Life on the Mississippi. And I sent you, I was actually reading that. And you, at your suggestion yeah, I used that section that you. When we started, and then, uh, is it a spoiler if I read that thing that I sent you the other day that I laughed at? That was in loud? the part that I. Mm-mm. Well, you know what? I, I it, you skipped over it. I skipped over it. Yeah, read it, read yeah, it. Yeah, the, the, my favorite part of that whole, and it was in, actually in that same paragraph. Mark Twain said, if somebody should discover a creek in the county, Next to the one that the North Pole is in, Europe and America would start 15 costly expeditions thither. 
one to explore the creek and the other 14 to hunt for each other. <laughs> that made me that made me laugh out loud because that's so true. And in 1883, that's what was going on. Yeah. That book was written in 1883. Yeah. So like there was some genuine exploration going on in this continent. Unlike is going on today, you know. They they were exploring land like today we're exploring technology. Yeah. Yeah. Like you think about like Elon Musk and these people doing wild stuff, going to the moon, making electric cars, making chat GPT. And, and we're kind of like, wow, the frontier, you know, this, this back then it was, what's that direction? We yeah. don't really know. Yeah. The actual frontier. Um, that's not the best analogy, but you guys get it. Okay. According to Dr. Bidenharn, the deepest point of the river is how many feet deep? Two- Bam, Thawag. I'll, I'll give that to Misty. That I'm sorry. definitely you knew waited, that one. didn't you? Huh? I, I, I did because I like I to hear the whole question. That's not Spencer's fault. Okay. No, it's not Spencer's okay. fault. Last so. question. You, I feel you like you're right. you This, this you question, can have, we take a half point. Don't know. It's all yours. It's all yours. You said it first. Neighbor share. Rules, you know. I think he chugged a Red Bull before this question. Okay, what year was the Mississippi River Commission formed? This is kind of a boring question. It is, it is, and I still don't know the answer. 1887. 1948. And that's what I was going to say, 1948, too, but I think, I, I think there was a wrong. Word. I don't feel bad if I take a wrong answer. <laughs> it was 100 years before the year of my birth. Um, oh, 1879. Bam, Miss Newcomb. I finally get one. Point. I get one. All right, so who won? <laughs> who won? Who won? Who won? Uh, Me. Three. Thou Wag. I think it was I Brent. had five. No, you <laughs> didn't. Terrell Thalwag Spencer. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that the question of how many miles on free flowing water. That's a great one. Which I'm ex- fully expecting oh. Isaac Neal to walk in here with that tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah for what did y'all think about the tattoo yeah. suggestion? 2400 with Muddy the eagle. River. The eagle. Yeah. Was it an eagle or a hawk? Eagle. eagle. Was it an eagle. eagle? Yeah. I had a lot of people. There's there's a lot of hype around. That the Mississippi River should have been called the Missouri River, because the Missouri River is longer than the Mississippi, and people say things such as the Mississippi's River is not great until the Missouri comes in. I got a question. Okay, I think it said that there was not a dam on the Missouri River for twelve hundred miles. Yeah, it said. Why is that? Is I, I don't know anything about the Missouri River, so. Compare it to the Arkansas, and you don't come very far out of the Mississippi until right. you get to what's the first one? Is it Murray? No, down at uh, uh, down at Dumas. Dumas. Yeah. I don't understand what would make the decisions around not. Dead. Is there not commerce or commercial on that like there is the Arkansas River? Or? I don't know. Don't know. I really don't know. Are That's a good Ar- question. Are the Arkansas dams navigation wise, or are they? Power. It's mostly navigation. Right? Yeah, mostly navigation. Yeah, I think they go as far as Tulsa, maybe yeah. on the Arkansas River. Yeah, some rivers. It, it could be there's some. I don't know. I don't even know enough to. I'll, I'll figure out the answer though, because that's a good question. You don't get no point. I get zero. Zero. <laughs> zero. You know, whenever I look at pictures of my kids from the past year or even just a few months ago, I'm so amazed at how fast they're growing up, and then it hits me hard. I'm getting older, too. That's why planning for my family's financial security has become a top priority. 
making sure we're prepared and having enough life insurance in case something unexpected happens and I'm out of the picture is crucial. And Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to get the protection that's right for your family. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents and for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash bear. That's M-E-E-T fabric.com slash bear meetfabric.com slash bear policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions whitetail institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. People at Sport Dog know that having a well-trained hunting dog is more than just having a reliable partner. It's a commitment to their safety and unlocking their full potential. Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Trust Sport Dog, where innovation meets passion, to elevate your hunting experience and strengthen the bond with your local companion. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. To track my squirrel dogs and my one old coon dog that's not very good. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. You know, I'm going to have to say this again. I'm going to address this again in an actual Bear Grease podcast in a in a probably a tighter way. But I think naming rivers is really interesting because rivers are named typically from their mouth. The bottom. The bottom. And the way this country was settled by the Europeans that came here, it was settled from east to west. So the people came to 
this land that the Native Americans, the Quapaws, called Arkansas, and they found this giant river. And so they said the Arkansas River. And then when they went up to where the Arkansas River started, it was in Colorado. Yeah. So, I mean, in theory, it seems like there's more namesake. This is the Colorado River. started yeah. in Colorado. But just simply based upon where the people, the direction the people were coming okay. from when they named it. And that's exactly why the Missouri River is called the Missouri River and not the, not the, where, where's the headwaters of the Missouri in, in oh, Montana or yeah, Wyoming? Yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure. I think it was Montana. They yeah, said, I think it's it? Montana. Yeah. You know, and, and so the Mississippi was kind of the, the same way that most of the interaction with that river was down in the lower part yeah. of the river. And with LaSalle and these guys, you know, LaSalle and Detente were the first guys to, it was a transliteration, meaning that it was a, it was a word in a different language that we just kind of were like, Mississippi. What was it their sounds rich, like what's they're the saying, Indian way? Mitch, uh, Kuya, man, or? it was tough. I struggled <laughs> with that. Uh, more than cholera. It, it was two words. <laughs> yeah, more than that. He had it was, I, I didn't really do it justice. There were multiple. There's so many ways that, yeah. but it was Miche Sipakue. Or, or, I've got a question. How confident are you that that I'm. The, pr- the the pronunciation uh-huh. of that? Uh-huh. Oh. High. Very high. You like that? Golf club. Yeah. Yeah. Very high. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how how confident were you of cholera? Low. And <laughs> 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 he had a um, fever. <laughs> hey, what uh, I, I I like to think about these things. What is it what did it make you think when it was suggested on Bear Grease? That maybe one day the Mississippi River won't be called the Mississippi, and just how our society will be forgotten, like the Catahokians yeah. or all the others. Yeah, that was that was I was cleaning out a chicken brooder at the time, and <laughs> I was a thinker. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, it, yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you where I was at. I was yeah. I was checking like my JFK. corn. <laughs> wow, where were you at? Yeah, this is <laughs> this is a touchstone for our generation. When we talked about renaming, when you realized you were <laughs> insignificant. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the point. Think about the yeah. great civilizations. There, there were incredible civilizations. Civiliz- yeah. You know, this whole idea Massive that we cities. came in into a, a wilderness yeah. is just untrue. These people walked into great civilizations that looked different than European cities. Right. We translated as wilderness. And these people had, I mean, they they knew what that river was called. And then here we are, a couple hundred years, I mean, 500 years later, mm. we're guessing at what they called it. And we're not even calling it what they called it. We're calling it what it sounds like they called it. You know, they called it the Micha Supakani or whatever, Micha Sipi or whatever. The ones that survived. Right. And there's, yeah. And then, and then this Peter Pitchland, the Choctaw. He in a, in this letter, this official. It was a letter that was. Is he the one that said that we always pronounced everything wrong? Yeah, yeah. And so he was like, "Heck, they didn't even get the transliteration right. It yeah. was this, meaning the river without any age." And uh, yeah, you can just imagine how loosely translated some of that stuff was. And so, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting thought. All, all that will remain will be our plastic. Yep, water yeah. bottles, <laughs> yeah. water bottles, and, and styrofoam grocery bags. Yeah, yeah. What what stood out to to you most, Misty, about that podcast? Well, what you I, learned? My favorite part was actually the very beginning, hearing John Barry read the poem. I thought that was pretty pretty yeah. amazing. 
pretty strong brown god. And my second favorite part was hearing Hank Burdine, his voice described as the voice what a crocodile. Oh, alligator! Alligator! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that was pretty good. Pretty good description. Yeah. After Did he do the voiceover that, for um, Foghorn Leghorn? <laughs> <laughs> that's two. That's two podcasts I think in a row with. With good descriptions, because the other was Davy Crockett, where he talked about being like a wildcat, and yeah. was it half out wildcat? It, I, well, whatever it is, it was Crockett's description yeah. of himself, and the Arkansans as being the half man, half alligator, half, half horse. That's right. My my middle son, we're like, that's you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought John Barry's intro was cool. Him, that was his favorite poem, and I asked him if he would read it for me, and he read it. Brent, what stood out to you? What was your favorite part? I I like talking to, uh, and I still can't remember how you said Harn. Yeah, Doctor Brent Beaton was Harn. with me when I went down there. We went. It was cool, man. That whole complex is wow. It's pretty pretty cool to get in there and, and talk to those folks. But he, to hear he talked about a lot of stuff that I'm sure that 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 won't be out there because it's just it, man. It was so technical, right? Yeah. But it was really the the. The best thing that I wish that people that are listening to this could have been there, watching him talk about it, because seeing some visiting with somebody and watching them talk about something that they're very passionate about, and he's can spend his whole life studying that thing, and to me he looks like he's just as excited to talk about it today. How, how long has he been down there? Years, like yeah. thirty or forty years. He's been he's know, been doing at least. It would. He seems to be just as excited about it now as he was then. But the him talking about that revetment. One of the questions I got right in the, in the challenge that Josh didn't get. How cool that was that it scoured out sixty feet below that thing, and then before they could get in there and and do something about it, he filled back in forty feet. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and it was. But that's. I mean, and that's going on everywhere, sure, all yeah. the time in that thing. It's the the river is changing. How he talked about it, it he talked about it like it was an animal, mm-hmm. you know, like it had life to it. And I guess it does in in that way because it's always changing and growing and going one way. Yeah. I don't know. It was really cool just to sit there and listen to that guy who who really knows his Beating stuff. Beating hard. Yeah. Brian, what stood out to you? Was it Burdine you were in the boat with? Mm-hmm. The very first thing you hear before anything is spoken is the tilt trim switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, here's a guy that is hands-on. He's immersed in the river. He He's on it while he's talking about it. So I'm thinking, this is a big deal to this guy. He was probably born and raised and is on it yep. day in, day out. So I was... Really entertained by his conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Hey, you got to tell me. But we're gonna end with you telling us your best uh, near death story on a big river, Ryan. Be thinking about it, Spence. What stood What stood out to you? Uh, Excuse me, Thalwag. Thalwag. <laughs> I lit up like a Christmas tree when I heard that word. I'm, he's, I'm the, like, he's, a, <laughs> he's the farmer, formerly like, known as Spence. Yeah, yeah. That, that and potomologist. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, when he when he was talking about just the a river's ability to do work, and he talked about slope, and he talked about volume, 
And, you know, I couldn't help but thinking of, you know, we've got a creek in our hauler. We've got our farmland where the river runs through it. And I just think of floods. You know, I've been at this pro- or on our properties for, shoot, a long time now. And, you know, I've seen some big floods. I don't know. I just, that's where my mind goes. And then extrapolating that to the Mississippi. Uh, when you talk, to, you know, like when you look at old maps and, and you see how much it's changed, and I don't know what you're going to talk about in the future. Like I, a lot of this was me. I really am interested in this. So I just, I was like, Ooh, I hope Clay has a talks about that. I hope, like, I hope this is a 10 part series. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm all in nerd y'all, but I, I enjoyed that. So like just all the, the scratches, I mean, it was almost like you're going on a deli tray with a sampler platter, all the little things yeah. you tap and, yeah. and maybe you'll get into them. Maybe you're not, but I don't know. It was just, tangent after tangent in my mind and then uh i really liked when he called it f- uh the fourth coast like yeah I thought, oh yeah yeah, that's yeah. Good. yeah i've never heard that punk rock they used to call like the west coast the left coast so yeah. like i don't know it just like it made me chuckle him calling it the fourth coast It'd be a good t-shirt <laughs> the fourth coast, fourth coast. <laughs> Is it the fourth coast yeah oh hank oh hank yeah that's good josh i i just uh, I'm always fascinated, and my family makes fun of me because they're like, "Oh, Dad's doing math again." But I love, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the statistics. Just like the 2,400 miles without yeah. a dam, all yeah. the soil that gets moved, all the volume of water, it boggles my mind. And I, I mean, honestly, it makes me more amazed at our Creator. Mm-hmm. And when I think about this stuff, like yeah. to design this, and and it it makes me, you know, I was out on the river this morning, and. I, I took a couple of guys that were that were in town for for uh, my daughter's wedding, and we I took them up to the dam, and and the dams we have here in Arkansas are pretty impressive structures. I mean they're amazing structures, and then to think about the the uh, Mississippi River and how we've learned to utilize it, it just it it puts me in a state of awe a little bit um, that we've been able to harness a lot of the power of that and use it for for our lives. And, and I think I loved how you talked about finding out how the Mississippi affects our lives. Like yeah. we don't really know. Yeah. And so to just, to just break it down and, and make it evident for us is, is, is really interesting to me. There was yeah. a quote where it talked about trying to master it's like hubris. What was that? Do you remember that quote? Well, John Barry a lot in his book, rising tide talked about the hubris that it took for man to even think he could tame the river. Yeah. And we've had some, we've got a bridge in our county that has washed out repeatedly and they just keep adding more and more concrete to it. And there's a part of me that rejoices every time that every thing time gets it wiped out. out and ends up, parts of it end up on my property because I'll yeah. never learn, but uh, yeah. it's just that hubris, you know, and the amount of force and power and it looks so simple, but yeah. they're so deep and there there's so much under the surface in a river and, and it, it really... Like, I'd be curious to hear your stories, because if you've ever been out on a body of water and realize you shouldn't be out there, it becomes really quick, really fast, yes. or Ooh. really apparent really fast, how powerful those rivers and yeah. water bodies are. Yeah. You know, I think, to me, the the what I wanted to communicate and what I'm maybe most interested in is... I want people to understand the complexity of a river system. Yeah. When I was in college, I took a stream ecology class and I was blown away by the 
by the complexity of even just a gravel-based stream like here in the Ozarks. Like if you remove this gravel, what it does downstream, and even more so on a big giant river that drains 41% of a continent. And I thought John Barry's John Barry is an excellent writer. And when, when he when he I, I took the quote about the the physicist that was from his book. Like he talked about the physicist that said, "When I get to heaven, I've got two questions for God: oh, yeah. why relativity and why turbulence." turbulence. And I think he can answer the first, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> insinuating that nobody knows. Nobody knows, yeah. and. And just the, the the turbulence being this mysterious force, unpredictable force that that comes about with free flowing stuff like water or air, and it's just so un yeah. difficult to calculate. And the sediment loads of the river and how big it is and how it moves and it really is like a beast. It's and an like, like I said in the on the podcast, if the if the if you if the river were a great beast, and the banks were its skeleton, and the floodplain were its flesh, the water would be its blood, and the dirt would be the life in the blood, and how that that dirt is basically has built the entire delta of from like Memphis down, like the the yeah, Gulf like of Mexico used to come all the way up into the Ozarks. Yeah. How about him talking about uh, the uh, topsoil, the depth of topsoil in most places as yeah. compared to the alluvial plain down yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. Right are, you, are you going to cover the fact that we're like shotgunning all that out into the, the Gulf like later Man, on? Or? I will. That's a whole, yeah. There's some major ecological problems down at the mouth of the Mississippi River. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, yeah, I will, but not in detail, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I, just because I'm there's so much to talk sad, about. I get it. That's yeah, <laughs> it's so complex. Maybe and, a private it, podcast for me. Quick. Yeah, private. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. that wag uh, edition. Ryan, have you almost died on a big river? I don't want to say died, but probably done some stupid stuff when I was younger. Duck hunting. Yeah, when the river is flooded, too small a boats, too much current, trying to drive across flooded rock jetties to get to the <laughs> yeah. other side to duck hunt and thinking you know as the trucks push sideways you're thinking later this is a, this is a bad if decision. it would have kept sliding i'd been 15 20 foot under the white what, water what do you mean the truck water running across water running across the levee and you're trying to go you from drive across it drive across the levee to another oh i see point and uh it was stupid you know, hey, do you have do you have a specific story or no, Brent? No, you too? not really. You don't. Okay. No, I try to be pretty self. I told about that, that story on one of my podcasts about my brother and I getting hung up on the Arkansas River in the Arkansas River in a bad storm. You know, we got, we made it out to a, a sandbar in the middle of the river and pulled just run run the boat up on the bank. This this cloud had a big storm had come through and gone and we were we're still before day, daylight and we look up and we see stars we think it's fine we're good to go we get in the boat we go up the river then another storm's coming behind it so it's water gets waves are coming over the front of the boat so when the wind blows up a, a river 
when it blows against the current, this makes the waves bad. Because the these, current's going down, but the wind wind's is pushing, coming, it pushing it up, so it's going against each other. Yeah, this was it like three foot, waves. three foot swells were coming over the front of that John yeah, boat. We was, it was a 16 foot John boat that was 52 inches wide. And it was like a cork floating out there. So we hit the we hit a sandbar as fast as we could go and got off of it and lightning is popping all around the winds blowing like crazy and and finally it got it stopped the lightning stuff stopped and there was it got daylight where we could see and we killed like one or two ducks and uh, then we got back in the boat and scared you to death and got home yeah it was it was tough it was have y'all ever seen like a canoe that's been pinned. When you're paddling, oh. or 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 wrapped around a tree, yeah, we well, yeah, and then you seen, try to pull it out, and you realize how much force is oh, in that yeah. river. There's a well, Josh and I saw a, a boat, uh, an old John boat wrapped yeah. around a tree. But I've seen big, oh, really? big oh, boats like that on the Arkansas, big commercial, like commercial sized fishing boats that are just wrapped around like nothing. I know Misty probably don't want to hear this, but if you remember, Our, what two three years ago, there was five of us. In my 18-foot duck boat. One of them was my, one of my children. Many of your children. There was five of us. <laughs> and a live well has a big live well in it that was full of water, full of fish for them yeah. to bring home. And we kept watching this sail come from the, what was it, north, northeast? Well, what threw us off was that it was coming from the east. And we thought, it I remember thinking past. that it, it was already past us. Gotcha. Because the, the weather usually in this part of the world comes from west to east. Mm-hmm. And so we were looking back to the west, and the clouds were, it, there was no storm. But to the east, there was a storm. And I thought it was a storm that was kind of moving from the north to the southeast, and we we're just seeing the tail of it. But actually, it was a east, it was blowing from the east and coming on us hard. And that's we're, the way the river's flowing down to the east. The wind's coming out of the east. So Oh, yeah. And it was actually didn't start with any rollers. It started with three foot breakers. Yeah. With a loaded boat and we should have stayed put. We should have stayed. Really? Yeah. We should have. Yeah. But once you get halfway back We had you, probably three miles or so to get back yeah, home. And actually took a detour in. into a bay to get out of the wind that I know probably wasn't three foot deep and I'm thinking I hope I don't hit a stop. Yeah. <laughs> we made it back. So. I remember. So uh, while that is going on, guess what Flint face looked like? <laughs> Just the no same expression. as he always does. Yep. No expression. Like, Lieutenant Dan up in that crow's <laughs> nest. <laughs> that hurts, that's all you got. <laughs> we're, we're just like, just getting soaking wet. And I'm kind of looking back at Ryan to see if he looks nervous. And we don't really even talk. I mean, we just go back to the boat ramp. And once we get out, I go, hey, Ryan, was that pretty sketchy? <laughs> and he was like, that was pretty sketchy. <laughs> that reminded me of the time we when I rode it. with Warner Glenn up a big mountain. I've told this story oh, yeah. so many times. I rode with Warner Glenn, followed him up a mountain on a mule, and it was the absolute wildest mule ride of my life. And that night over dinner, and he never even looked back to see if I was still there. And and when I got to dinner that night, I said, I said, Mr. Warner, if you could, if you were ranking mule rides and a zero was riding down a gravel road and a 10 was that you died, what did we do this morning? And he went, <laughs> 
huh, probably about a seven or eight. <laughs> and I was like, good, thank God. <laughs> he said, yeah, if it had been much, much worse than that, you just couldn't have taken him up there, Clay. Like, he didn't, it never even occurred to him that it, we'd done something wild that day. <laughs> was that, that was, was like when that I was, was with Tuesday. Ryan. That, yeah, that was like when I was with Ryan. He was like, yeah, it was pretty sketchy. Ah, <laughs> uh, Hey, thanks so much. Cross the Creek Farms. If you're in the northwest Arkansas region, how can they buy chicken from you? Just crosscreekfarm.com. Man, pasture raised, best chicken on the earth. It really is. Yeah. Like milling uh, our own feed now. Only we thing we'll eat. Yeah, man. Good. And tomatoes for the neighbors. For chickens. Brought some tomatoes. Check out this Country Life podcast. Landbridge, you selling anything? Just tell them to hit me up. I'll sell them something. Yeah. <laughs> just if you I see have. something Josh has that you want, just hit him up. Ryan, thanks for coming up, man. I appreciate it. You yeah. know, legend has it that Robert Redford is jealous of Josh's <laughs> mustache. That ain't no legend. That's a fact. Miss yeah. <laughs> Newcomb, thank you. You're welcome. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order.